Welcome to the Upper 90 Football Podcast, providing American coverage and opinions on all things football. I'm Garrett Post. And I'm Justin Ruderman. And we have an action-packed episode today. It's been two weeks since we recorded, Justin, just some scheduling issues. So we apologize for missing last week, but it means that we have a lot to talk about. Let's jump straight in, Justin. Uh, The biggest news Obviously, from the international break, at least as far as we're concerned, the United States are going back to the World Cup. They have qualified for Qatar 2022, finishing third place in the CONCACAF octagonal. Just an immediate reaction to that. A big exhale. That is my reaction. Uh, it, It has been extremely stressful throughout this entire World Cup qualifying process. Uh, throughout these all, all 14 games, uh, we are confident we were going to go back. But uh, after four years ago and the pain we all felt against Trinidad and Tobago, this was uh, redemption, uh, especially for Christian Pulisic. You could see it in his face. It, it meant a lot. But uh, this is what we need. The U.S. Is, is finally back. As you say, third place, Canada finishing first in the octagonal, Mexico second. And then Costa Rica will g- uh, get that playoff in fourth place. Um, but yeah, you back in the world cup major it's exactly what we needed we went and we got the draw we needed at the azteca could have for sure won that game uh no doubt had had chances uh pulisic and pfock notably right had those two sitters that both of them missed uh so could have won that but then uh when we needed the win we came home to orlando and just battered panama at home in, in a game that was m- the definition of must win uh and so was Panama the best performance we've seen from the U.S.? Maybe not, but it was, we finished the chances. Pulisic got his hat trick. Uh, everyone was getting in on the act. Even even Greg Berhalter's lineup, which was criticized at the start, what, turned out to to be good because, you know, Areola got on the score sheet. Ferreira got on the score sheet. So a, a lot of good positives uh, to take from this window. The most important being that we are back in the World Cup. Yeah, and you know there was a lot made about the the loss to Costa Rica to finish World Cup qualifying, and you know people talking about leaving or and you know ending it qualifying on on a sour note. But I I really don't buy that. Um, I think World Cup qualification is obviously something that cannot be taken for granted, especially considering what happened last time around. So I didn't really care about the loss to Costa Rica, obviously. Uh, the performance, you know, could be a lot better. Uh, that being said, I, I thought 2-0 was a pretty harsh scoreline on the U.S. I, I didn't really think that scoreline reflected the overall balance of the game. The U.S. dominated possession, had more shots, more shots on target, just were not clinical, um, you know, kind of the same problem as that game at Azteca, which, yeah, I agree. I think we also could have won for sure. But you know, getting to Qatar is all that matters. It's all I care about. And, you know, at the end of the day, no one's going to remember that we qualified on a loss to Costa Rica, you know, a few months down the line, all that we're going to care about is the fact that, Hey, we're playing in November. We're back on the biggest stage in the history of world sports. So, you know, let's, let's get her done. Justin, speaking about November, what do you think are realistic expectations for the USMNT in Qatar. Um, so what are realistic expectations and, and what are you hoping for? What would be, uh, you know, a level of progression that would, that would really enthuse you? 
Well, I think getting out of the groups is completely uh, reasonable to to uh, hope for and to think that we could accomplish, right? Because the United States have been placed in Group B uh, with England, Iran, and then the winner of the European playoff, uh, number one. So that will be either Wales, Scotland, or Ukraine. So the reason we haven't had that is right because of what's been going on in Ukraine. So the Ukraine hasn't been able to play a game. They will play Scotland in that semifinal, and then that winner will play Wales uh, in, in the final of that playoff. And the winner of that will then go to the World Cup and be in Group B with the United States. Um, so obviously, you know, England are favorites to win the group. Uh, but after that, I mean, depending on that European playoff winner, U.S. should should be able to beat Iran and then totally have, have the ability to beat whoever that uh, European team is, in my opinion. So getting out of the groups should, should be the goal. If we could win a knockout game, that would be... Uh, massive to me it, it would be something that that that's what I'm my goal is is to win a knockout game and I don't think it's really impossible because group a right it, it is Qatar so it's the poorest group that we're going to play and that's that's who we get in uh in a first round game probably uh is somebody from that group Qatar Ecuador Senegal and Netherlands so that's a pretty poor group comparatively uh because the Netherlands being the best team in that group right because of Qatar getting uh, that top pot A when they're obviously not a top team in the world. Senegal are better than the Netherlands by far, in my opinion. They've just won AFCON. The Netherlands didn't even qualify for the World Cup last time around. So I, I think Senegal are, are scarier than the Netherlands, um, which is interesting because, you know, obviously the Dutch have a lot of talent, but they have consistently underperformed for, you know, quite a while now, pretty much since that 2014 World Cup. They've been not great at all, despite having, you know, Van Dyke, Memphis Depay, Frankie de Jong. Um, but, you know, Senegal, you know, they, they won that cup, obviously in interesting circumstances. Um, but when we think about the team that they were playing against, one of the notable absences is Egypt uh, not coming in to the World Cup. Mo Salah missed his penalty in, in the shootout due to the laser pointers and all this controversy, you know, just not scenes that, that we like to see. Um, but Nigeria and Algeria are also big names from Africa, which did not make the cut. Ghana and Cameroon uh, and Morocco are, are joining Senegal, as well as Tunisia, actually, which is a yeah. surprise inclusion. They're over there in Group D uh, with France and Denmark. Um, and then, obviously, Justin, I think the biggest absence is Italy who won the Euros and then inexplicably bottled qualifying and, and lost to North Macedonia in stoppage time, ending their chances of getting to Qatar, which is just crazy that a team can win the Euros, you know, the uh, World Cup aside, most competitive uh, international football competition, you would say that they could win that. And, you know, they played so phenomenally well in that tournament and then turn around and fail to qualify for the World Cup at all, it, it, that's crazy to me. Yeah, and, you know, second World Cup in a row, they haven't been able to qualify. Uh, it is a really, really uh, disgraceful and disappointing for the country of Italy because that is a huge footballing nation, as everybody knows. Uh, and to see their history just sort of, crumble right now it's it's hard to see because you thought okay finally they won the euros and they're back and they're the the italy is back to competing at an international level uh at a top stage 
and then they just can't even make the World Cup. And it's really hard to see uh, from such a top fo- footballing nation. Um, I understand their pain from, from four years ago. If we had to feel that again, uh, it, it would have been a shot to the heart. So I, I feel for Italian fans, um, but it shows what it means to get to the World Cup because even teams that you would expect to get there are not always going to get there. Uh, and there will be surprise inclusions as well because you have to really put in the effort and really try to get uh, into this World Cup because there will always be competition, even from countries who you don't think are, are top countries. They will play their hearts out for for that badge. Yeah, and you know, I you say you you know how Italy feel because of what happened to us four years ago, but I I think Italy's is way worse. I mean, this is this is four time winners that we're talking about. This is you know one of the best nations in terms of footballing talent you know in the world uh, you know over their history this is you know they're up there with brazil and germany and like i I, the fact that they missed not only this world cup but the last one like two world cups in a row that they've missed a team that's won four times i don't know if we will ever see that again uh it's a bit crazy just going back to the european playoffs that you were talking about um Justin, my initial thoughts are that I I just don't want to see Wales enter the group because I am terrified of Gareth Bale when he has a Wales shirt on. He has been playing unbelievable recently. Two absolutely outstanding goals uh, recently for Wales in that semifinal. What are your thoughts on those three teams? Who do you want to see and who do you not? I think that I'd probably most like to see Scotland. Um but it, to me, I agree that it's just I don't want to see Wales, uh, Ukraine. I'm okay with. I yeah, Wales is a frightening prospect with one of the best players in the world at international level in Gareth Bale. Uh, so to to have him coming at our defenders who we know are not uh, world class is a bit scary. Uh, so yeah, I'd probably choose Scotland or Ukraine. Uh, probably Scotland. So personally, I, I'm looking at the groups right now, and, and, and it seems like a pretty even spread to me, Justin. But do you have an early prediction on what the quote unquote group of death will end up being uh, this time around in the 2022 World Cup? It's a good question uh, because there are a few of them, right? There are a few with some quality teams throughout. Uh, there's group e that has both spain and germany so two top teams both teams that are are, are considered uh potential winners right so a little bit outside but there as well um you have group f which is belgium canada and croatia all in one group uh you also have group h which portugal ghana uruguay and south korea i think that that might be the group of death to me if i had to pick one because uh there's no really poor team there Ghana's probably the worst team uh, but that's not a poor team. So that, that to me is probably the group of death, probably just because they're the closest to each other. Um, but yeah, I think, as you said, it's pretty spread out. I think that there is, uh, it's a good draw. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm glad it's not lopsided. Although the, the one problem about the draw is that some of the groups are almost identical to the 2018 world cup. I think group D in particular is three of the three of the teams you know or depending on the playoff were in the same group with each other as well in 2018 so that's not ideal but i'd probably agree i think group h uh you know it seems to 
trickiest to predict, although I personally think South Korea are going to finish bottom of that group. I, I just don't think Kim Win Sun alone will be enough. Um, I, I think Ghana are, are a decent side. So, you know, but that, that could go either way. And that's really, you know, why that would probably be my group of death. And yeah, group, you said group F, you know, depending on, on whether Canada can keep the form, the amazing form they had during World Cup qualifying, if they can carry that into the World Cup, um, yeah, Group F should be really interesting. And we shouldn't write off Morocco too quick. They do have some quality players, obviously Hakim Ziyech being yeah. the highest profile of those. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'm overall pretty happy with the draw. I think it's going to make for good uh, entertainment uh, and really looking forward to the World Cup. Uh, eight months from now, Justin, or a little bit less at this point. Uh, so, you know, really exciting. Uh, can't wait. Uh, although we have to for quite a while. But with that, Justin, I think we can move over now to the Premier League. Um, we've had some interesting developments uh, over the weekend. I think the biggest that comes to mind for me is the fact that uh, as we're recording this on Tuesday morning, yesterday, Arsenal lost 3-0 to Crystal Palace, which has completely blown the top four race open uh, in terms of them and Spurs, it was looking very, very likely that Arsenal uh, w- would get that fourth spot. But with this loss and Spurs uh, going on a tear at the moment, it's pretty much a 50-50 split in terms of who's going to get fourth place. Uh, and obviously the North London Derby, we, we still have yet to be played, although it has not been scheduled. But there is a possibility that that gets put midweek before the final weekend of the Sunday, before Championship Sunday, final weekend of the season, rather, on Championship Sunday. Um, And and so, you know, if they put that second to last match of the season, you know, that's going to be a a huge, huge game. Uh, Looking forward to that. But what are your thoughts on, uh, you know, kind of the differing trajectories of these teams? Because Spurs are absolutely killing it at the moment. And Arsenal have just slipped up in a way that they couldn't really afford. Yeah, Spurs uh, beating Newcastle 5-1, really smashing them up. Newcastle, another team in good form, right? Rising up the table all the way into 15th now. Um, but it's the team, it's the teams around Tottenham uh, who are slipping up a little bit. Arsenal, as you said, and Chelsea as well, got smashed by Brentford 4-1. Really shocking result there. Um, Chelsea, very unlikely to fall out of that top four, right? Because they're sitting five points ahead of uh, Tottenham and Arsenal right now. But still need to need to get pick up a couple points to ensure that by the end of the season. So uh, hope for both Tom and Arsenal. I think that Arsenal is still slightly the favorites with a game in hand, right? But as you say, the North London Derby is still to be played. So each team with, with it in their hands. Um, but yeah, to me, I, I still think it will be Arsenal that, that gets that fourth spot, but it is becoming a tighter and tighter race. And uh, that's what we like to see, right? Because it, we have three different races each year that, that can be exciting, uh, potentially four, or even if you consider Europe, but uh, they're all looking really exciting at the moment. Um, and speaking of the European race, right? United trying to chase West Ham right now for that sixth spot, both on 51 points. So they're, they're all tight. And then the relegation battle, Garrett, I know you're paying attention uh, very tightly. Uh, Everton now, three points above burn above Watford, excuse me, uh, in that safe 17th spot with two games in hand over Watford, uh, as well. So it, it's, 
getting a little there's well we're separating down below we're getting tighter up top isn't it yeah and i think the one thing you say you still think it'll be arsenal i think the one big thing to spurs advantage is that the north london derby will be at the tottenham hotspur stadium as the one earlier this season which arsenal ran away with was at the emirates so you know I think Spurs would definitely prefer to have that game at home. Uh, and so they will have that luxury when the two meet. And I honestly do think that the winner of that game will be what decides who gets fourth. So I, I don't know if I could really say which team it's going to be. Uh, I have no idea at the moment. In terms of the relegation fight, Justin, um, Everton play Burnley tomorrow. Uh, huge game. Nice. The teams have, have, have both played the same amount of games uh, with 28 Everton sitting four points above Burnley at the moment, but this is the definition of a six pointer. I am very, very nervous about it. Um, I would take a point if you offered it to me right now, because our away form, this game is at turf more has been so unbelievably bad. Uh, Justin, you know, it was the last time Everton won a game away from Goodison park uh, in the Premier league. It was match week three against Brighton. For context, Cristiano Ronaldo was still a Juventus player the last time Everton won a away league game. <laughs> that wow. is shocking. Wow. Um, and so in my, my thought is, you know, uh, this is a must-win game, but I don't think we're going to win it. Uh, I think it's a must-not-lose game. We need to get at least a point, keep Burnley at, at arm's length, um, I, I think I don't think Watford are, are going to be able to pull themselves out. I, I think Burnley will end up finishing above Watford in, in the table. I think so. As long as we can keep Burnley at, at arm's length and not let them, you know, catch up three points, it'd, it'd be absolutely massive if they were to win this game. Um, so I think it's really we just we just got to be hard to beat. Obviously, Turf Moor is going to be up for this game. Tough environment. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm very nervous about it. If we do manage to win, um, that would almost guarantee safety, in my opinion. It would be absolutely huge if we were able to do that. So fingers crossed, but I, I would snatch her arm off for a point if, if given, if offered to me right now. Yeah, well, I mean, it is, as you say, right, tomorrow uh, on Wednesday is the Burnley Everton game. And then the, at the weekend, there are a couple of relegation six pointers as well with Watford against Leeds. Uh, as you say, Watford, you know, have a, a couple games more played and then uh, Leeds have a few more points. So both of them, uh, Watford may be going down while Leeds may be staying up a little bit more, but still a, an intriguing matchup there, especially if Watford uh, were, be, were able to find a win. And then after Burnley have to play uh, Everton, uh, they then go to Norwich and have to play them. So another relegation six-pointer there. After this weekend, we'll know a lot more uh, about the, the relegation battle from those games. Not only will we know a lot more about the relegation battle, we will know a lot more about the title race because this weekend on Sunday is Manchester City-Liverpool at the Etihad Stadium. Uh, it is essentially a title decider. Pep Guardiola has said we have to win out our, all of our remaining games in order to be champions. That includes against Liverpool. Uh, Garrett, what are your thoughts on this one? How do you see it going? I mean, it doesn't really get bigger than this in terms of league matches. Um, and we've been saying this, but it really is just shades of 
2018-19, I believe it was, uh, when, you know, the, these two teams, exact same two teams, were neck and neck. And, and you know, Manchester City winning the game, Leroy Sané off the post. That is what won them the title. Uh, you know, they, they finished one point above Liverpool. Um, and, and I think, you know, th- this will have a huge impact on the title race. Um, in terms of my Evertonianness, I'm going to predict... I'm going to, I'm going to, I think it's going to be a crazy game, Justin, just like the, the match at Anfield was earlier this season. I'm going to go three, two to city De Bruyne 90th minute winner. Wow. Garrett. Well, that is a prediction. Uh, that would be a game that every neutral would love to watch. Of course. Um, I would take it as a city fan. No doubt. It, it would give me a heart attack, um, but I would take it. Uh, I think that, yeah, I think I'm going to go 2-1 to City, so a little bit less uh, high-scoring than what you're saying, but I still think it's going to be close. I feel, still think City will find a way. Um, but, yeah, I just think that this – I think it's going to be a very tight game. Obviously, City without Ruben Diaz. Uh, due to that, I think probably Firmino will likely start uh, to try and, you know, play that false nine. He loves to drop deeper, try and pull one of those City center backs, uh, whether it be Laporte, Stones, or I assume are the two will start. Uh, and try and pull them centrally uh, and open up space for Salah and Mane in behind. So we'll see there um, because, right, Jota has really been the starter recently. So uh, either way makes sense, but I would kind of expect to see Firmino in this game. Um, as well, City will, you know, play, play a false nine as we've been doing all season. Uh, probably Foden up top there. I think that you – there there's just no way that city don't start most play. I mean, the only real question is that left winger spot for me, um, which is interesting because we've always talked about Pep roulette and how there's always so much rotation in the city squad. I think there's been less of this season because uh, barring injury, right. You're going to have Ederson Walker, uh, depending on your injuries, right. Uh, your three center backs are there, but we have no DS. So it will be stones, Laporte, Cancelo, uh, Rodri, KDB, Bernardo in midfield, very likely. Bernardo could be switched with Gundo, but probably not. And then you have likely Mares on the right, Foden probably uh, through the middle of, uh, as the as the false nine. And then you have Grealish or Sterling on the other wing. So we'll see there. But I think that, yeah, it's, it's going to be a very, very tight matchup. Uh, and it's going to be a fun one to watch. I will be very, very nervous biting my nails the entire time. Yeah, we both have huge, huge games for our clubs uh, this week. Uh, and, I, and I think we won't see much rotation from either side, honestly, in that City-Liverpool matchup because both teams play today in the Champions League. So, you know, having the game on Tuesday instead of Wednesday, I think, is is good for both of those teams in terms of not having to rotate much um, after those first legs. We can get to the Champions League in just a second, Justin. I firstly just wanted to give a little update on what 538, which is what I've been referencing a lot recently uh, in terms of both the relegation battle and top four uh, and and title race. So right now they still have City and Liverpool, uh, City 65% to win the league, Liverpool 35%. Their prediction is that City will finish three points ahead of Liverpool. So uh, I, I feel like that means that they've, predicted a, a man city win uh in the game on sunday so if that were to not happen um you know we might see those percentages get flipped real quick in terms of top four 
Arsenal 52% to finish fourth uh, and, and Spurs 44%. So, you know, that loss from Arsenal has really put that right back in the balance of things. United only have a 5% chance of qualifying for the Champions League, uh, according to 538, and uh, West Ham down at 2%, just below United. The relegation battle, we've had some some big results. Brentford uh, have been picking up a couple wins. They are now be- below a 1% chance to get relegated. So Brentford uh, are, are effectively safe at the moment. Newcastle, obviously, we know, have been getting good results despite getting thumped by Spurs um, over the weekend. They're at 5%. And then, uh, you know, from Leeds down is where it's really interesting. That win for against Wolves, uh, that comeback for, for Leeds was huge for them. They're at 23%. Everton at 35 Burnley are at 53%. And then Watford and Norwich looking very likely to go down 84% and over 99% for, for Norwich. So, yeah, they're effectively back in the championship, just as everybody predicted. Um, but that Everton Burnley game, uh, you know, same with the with the City Liverpool game, could totally flip the percentages based on what happens. So these numbers, you know, they don't mean that much. They'll mean a lot more when we're recording this time next week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, as you say, quickly before we shift uh, back to the U.S. and cover some MLS, let's give our uh, UCL quarterfinal predictions. As you said, Liverpool and City both play uh, later today at noon. Um, and then it is Bayern versus Villarreal tomorrow and Chelsea Real Madrid. So, uh, Garrett, starting with the games today, let's hear your predictions for these quarterfinal matchups. Yeah, I, I think the teams we've been talking about, I think Liverpool and City will both end up going through. Um, the first like for City today is at the Etihad, so I think they definitely need to get a, a, a decent result, um, give themselves a bit of a cushion. Playing second leg on the road at an atmosphere like the one in Metropolitano is never going to be easy, so um, I think they definitely need to get a couple goals ahead today. Um, I think Liverpool will go up, go through pretty easily. Um, and then the same with Bayern, as much as, you know, I, I love the fact I predicted Villarreal to beat Juve and, you know, the job Unai Emery has done is fantastic. I think very few people are going to be predicting Bayern to slip up here, but just in my shock prediction, I guess not that much of a shock, but I think Chelsea are going to, going to go through over Madrid. I really do. Uh, I think Madrid are not looking great at the moment. They got absolutely hammered by Barca recently, as we talked about. And Chelsea's Tuchel team is just kind of built for knockout football, to be honest. We saw that last season. You know, they weren't the greatest in the Premier League, barely finishing fourth, but they find ways to win. They're defensively very good in these knockout formats. So uh, that's going to be my one rogue prediction is, is I see Madrid losing to Tuchel's Chelsea despite the fact they just got smacked by Brentford doesn't change the fact that I think Chelsea will sit super deep hit Madrid on a couple counters uh and and that Madrid back line's looking very weak at the moment so that's my one shock prediction Justin yeah well well yeah starting with the ones today uh Liverpool Benfica I think that everyone's going to predict Liverpool here I'm with everyone uh, I think, yeah, Liverpool just have to go through here. If they don't, uh, that's going to be pretty shocking and pretty embarrassing for Liverpool. 
Uh, as for City, I think as well that we will go through, um, but much more difficult job than Liverpool has or Bayern has uh, in Atletico Madrid. This is a team that is built, as you're saying, Chelsea is built for uh, knockout football. So is Atletico Madrid. They're built to play a team like Manchester City as well. They're built to sit back, defend for 90 minutes, get a counterattack and finish a chance. And so there's always that chance that Atletico Madrid can do that. Uh, and and pull off the shock and send City home uh, in the quarterfinals, as you know, City have always found a way to choke somewhere uh, in this competition. But uh, I don't think that it'll happen this right now. I think that we'll make it through uh, against Atleti, but I do think it will be close uh, because I don't think we're just gonna we're not gonna be able to score that many goals. Uh, so it'll be difficult to to rack up a a large scoreline. Uh, but and then Bayern tomorrow, yeah, as you say, Villarreal. Uh, very good team there Unai Emery is a tournament coach but he uh, has a large large job to do here I hope he can do get it done don't think it'll happen Uh, as far as Chelsea Madrid to me I mean I don't think Chelsea is a road prediction at all I think to me when I look at this this is a complete coin flip really 50-50 to me could go either way Um, I'm gonna say Real Madrid because I think that Chelsea are just have been overhyped the entire season uh and yeah i agree with you that you know there's they're set up they're going to sit deep but i think that's a problem because real madrid are going to try and do something similar they're both going to try and sit deep neither team's going to want possession in that game so uh benzema coming back you mentioned getting smashed by barcelona but they didn't have benzema uh granted he doesn't play on the back line but i just think that him in the clutch uh can, can really carry real madrid and, but yeah, I mean, this one really could go either way. It is a complete coin toss to me. Uh, I, I will pick Real Madrid though. Yeah. I mean, if, if Madrid are going to go through, you have to think that Kareem Benzema is going to have a huge say in that. Uh, and you, we know how good he is, uh, you know, another phenomenal season for him. And, and he goes under the radar sometimes, but I, I think that's changing now more and more, honestly, since, Ronaldo left Madrid, you know, I, th- I think Benzema has been just by far and away the star man. Obviously, you can look at Luka Modric as well. Great player. Um, but you also think, you know, the, this is these players kind of last chance uh, to really make a run at the Champions League. Maybe Benzema less so than, than Modric, but, you know, Modric is getting quite old now. So, uh, yep. you know, definitely going to leave it all on the pitch. The first leg of this of that matchup being at Stamford Bridge, which I think will make for some box office viewing at the Bernabeu in, in a couple of weeks time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think most people might say Madrid just because Chelsea have not been in great form. And, and you're right. They have been overhyped. I was touting the whole Chelsea are going to win the title at the beginning of the year. And then, you know, it, it didn't take many games to kind of see that that wasn't going to happen. Uh, probably, you right. know, 15 or so. Um, so I still think Madrid will be favorites. I think them playing at home in the second leg will be an advantage as well uh, as we saw really a- against PSG. You know, I-, I think they wouldn't have been able to pull off that comeback had the second leg been at the Parc de Prince. So uh, I think that is the most intriguing matchup of the four for sure. Although, you know, City, Atleti, obviously Atleti uh, have been known to shite house a result or two. You know, you think about what they did to Liverpool in 2019-20, just before the pandemic hit. Um, so, you know, that one could go either way as well. But 
uh, I, I think that Chelsea Real Madrid is going to be, you know, I'm, I'm clear in the schedule for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, with that, I think that we can move on, come back to America uh, and look at some MLS. Uh, there's been a lot going on. We finally, we've gotten through five games at least for each team now. So we're starting to see a little bit uh, of what we're going to see throughout the season. We're starting to get a little bit of feel of how good teams are, where, where they stack up against each other. Uh, and with that in mind, Garrett, I want to hear what you think people are overreacting to, what they're accurately reacting to, and what they're underreacting to. Uh, so first, with the, what, what are people overreacting to? What do they think that, oh, my God, this team's so good, or they're, they're, they're not playing well when we would expect them to, but we need to calm down a little bit? I think it's got to be New England. Um, you know, obviously, really, really poor start to the season from them. But I, I still back Bruce Arena to, to turn it around. They were so good last year that I, that I just don't really understand how they wouldn't turn it around. Um, you know, you can have a poor start to the season. We've seen good teams do that in the past. But more often than not, especially when they're, you know, reigning supporting shield winners, reigning record setters in terms of, uh, you know, MLS regular season, I, I just don't see how they wouldn't turn this around finish you know maybe fourth fifth I, I don't think they'll get all the way back up to the top of the eastern conference they've given themselves a lot of work to do in that sense but also the fact that they are in the east i think kind of plays into that as well if, if they were in the west and, and playing like this you know you look at a, a team like portland for example who are not doing so hot i think they're going to have a much tougher road back into the playoff spots uh, compared to New England, uh, and, and I, I do expect them to turn this around, you know, sooner than later. Fair enough, fair enough. Mine uh, is that RSL are contenders. I think this is a major overreaction. Uh, RSL sit in second place right now uh, beside, behind LAFC. They sit on 11 points. The first part about this is, number one, they've played six games where the every basically everybody else has played five. So, of course, they're going to have a better chance to sit higher in the table right now. Uh, and then you look at the, the wins, right? You look at, okay, they beat Nashville, right? Good team, okay? But is it really the most impressive win at home? Nashville is a team that sits deep. Uh, they, they scored early and wrote it to the win. Okay, good win there. We look at New England. They, they went to New England and beat them. We were just talking about New England not looking so good early in the year. Carlos Hill is complaining about the snow when he's playing in New England. Uh, they're just that, that doesn't, that's kind of a write-off. New England's focused on CCL. They're not paying attention to, to this right now, which, by the way, they got knocked out of CCL. They beat Seattle as well, a team focusing on CCL right now, not a team focusing on MLS. They've, they're not uh, performing as well as we expect Seattle to, uh, and they're very likely, Seattle's likely to recover, but that was early in the season. They as well lost to Portland, who are not playing well, as you just mentioned. So then they lost to Sporting Kansas City this weekend. So I just think that when you look at that as a whole, th this isn't a team that's contenders. They had a couple surprising wins, but when you look at why it's probably just champions league uh, focused and some rotation in those teams. So for me, that, that is an overreaction. RSL are not contenders to uh, win the West or be at the top of the West though. They're contenders to make the playoffs. 
Uh, okay, Justin, what would you say people are accurately reacting to? Uh, you know, what is something that people are saying that maybe it's a bit early to say, but but you think it will end up being the case come the end of the regular season? It's funny because I say New England. I think people are accurately reacting to New England right now. This is This is a team that should be performing a lot better. And I give that CCL excuse to other teams. New England were up 3-0 going into the second leg, and they went out. That is ridiculous. That is showing that you're focusing, if you're focusing on that competition and you perform that poorly in that competition, you are not ready to go and win the, your, the Eastern Conference again. That's my opinion. You lose to Charlotte, a brand new team, 3-1. to one. You're losing, uh, you're, you're drawing to Portland, who are performing poorly, uh, losing to RSL, who I just said I don't think are, are as good as people are, are, are look at them. I just, I think that New England are falling. Now, look, they're not going to finish out of the playoffs down in 12th, which is what they're sitting in right now. But I don't think they're contenders to, to in the top of the East anymore. I think that people are reacting to New England logically and saying this team fell off a little bit. Uh, and they're going to be right around that that playoff spot probably if they're going to get into the playoffs probably but not not higher not higher than fifth probably yeah i mean that that's kind of similar to to what i'm saying um you know i i agree and and i said earlier i i don't think that they'll be at the top of the east you know they've given themselves already a, a very large hole to to get out of to climb out of um, and when you have teams playing as well as Philly, Red Bulls, Atlanta at the moment, um, th- that's going to be tough for them to get back up there. But I definitely don't think that, you know, they'll, they'll end up and, you know, even on the fringe of the playoffs, I think they'll pretty comfortably get in. Honestly, uh, I think fourth or fifth um, in terms of my accurate reaction, I'm going with Chicago because uh, they're currently mm. sitting in fourth. I think people are, are kind of starting to open their eyes to the fact that, okay, the Chicago team is nowhere near as bad as they've been as of mm-hmm. late. Um, Shakiri has been getting on the score sheet and they have Shabilko up top who has been performing really well. So although I really didn't see at the beginning of the season, Chicago being playoff contenders, I, I, I think they completely are. I think they're, you know, I think fourth place isn't even being generous to the way that they've played. Uh, you know, they have not lost a game and if they can start turning some of these some more of these draws in, into wins, uh, you know, they, they could be right up in the mix towards the top of the East for the whole season. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I've always been a huge fan of Jared on Shakiri. I think that, uh, yeah, he, he's just a class player specifically for, for Switzerland. He's uh, unplayable at times. Uh, and just to bring him to MLS, he's, he's going to be a top player. And then serving balls to Shabilko, as you said, uh, is really important. I think the one piece as well is Gaga Slanina uh, because they're not going to concede a ton of goals. Gaga Slanina, Gaga Slanina, excuse me, has been very vocal about his goals of winning the, the uh, Golden Glove this season, uh, having the most clean sheets that is uh, in the league. He is a very young but very ambitious player uh, with a lot, a lot of talent. So having him in goal is really crucial for Chicago. As you say, they're not conceding a lot, which is why they're not losing a lot of games. Um, They literally have conceded one goal all season, uh, which is really incredible. So, and they won that game three to one against sporting Kansas city this uh, a couple weekends ago. So with with Shakiri and Shavilko getting on the score sheet in that game. So I like this uh, take from you, Garrett. I think that 
Red Bulls all, as well should get some credit there as well um, because both of them looking very, very good. Uh, for me, my uh, underreaction is as well a team that pe- uh, people are giving these teams some credit, but to me, the SoCal teams are back. Uh, LAFC and Carson Galaxy, th- these two teams are, are back. These are two of the top five teams in the league right now. Uh, and neither of them made the playoffs last season. So there was a lot of question marks coming into the season uh, with tons of moves being made for both teams, right? Uh, including one going from LAFC to LA Galaxy uh, in Raheem Edwards. But I, LAFC is sitting at the top of the table, LA Galaxy in third uh, on nine points. So I just think that these are two teams that are very well performing and uh, we need to recognize that they are, they're back as, as contenders uh, for, for the Western conference title. Yeah. I mean, I think LAFC people kind of expected to be back towards the top with the moves Mm. that were made. Um, I I think it's less so for, for Carson. I mean, I predicted them to finish outside of the playoff spots, but that was probably just, more uh, a manifestation hoping that's what would occur so uh seems very unlikely at the moment especially with chicharito bagging goals left and right at the moment um just in my underreaction is houston because mm. you know so many people were saying houston are gonna be the worst team in the league uh you know i predicted them to finish bottom of the mm. west I, I know you finished you predicted them to finish either 13th or 14th i don't exactly remember but they're dead last currently yeah, they're currently sitting in seventh in a playoff spot. And, you know, whether that continues or not, we'll we'll see. I, I don't think they'll end up qualifying for the playoffs, you know, once Seattle, Nashville, Kansas City, you know, start to turn things around a bit. Mm. But I think this team is definitely better than people are giving them credit for. And once they get uh, Hector Herrera in from mm. Atleti, you know, they, they are going to be they, – they won't be on, on the, the foot of the table is, is what my – that that's what I'm saying. I think not enough people are talking about, okay, Houston deserves some credit. Yeah. I mean, on paper, they're not a bad team at all. Right. Memo Rodriguez, Vera, Quintero, Baird, Pico. This is not a bad team on paper. Um, so there is no reason for them not to be mid table in the West competing for uh, playoffs, which is, which is what they're doing. And, and as you say, uh, I think that's a good, uh, underaction because people aren't really talking about it you know people uh, myself I thought Houston Dynamo would be at the bottom of the table uh, and they're playing well with uh, a, a really good MLS side it, it's it's an MLS level side around the, the starting 11 uh, and if with experience in this league as well I think that's a good take here because I think they could definitely make playoffs and Justin speaking of the foot of the table just want to quickly discuss, we've talked about <laughs> it quite a bit, uh, but the Earthquakes are currently one of two teams who have not won a game yet, the other being Inter-Miami. That is some awful company uh, for, for my club. But there has been some spirit, a little bit of hope shown. We were down 2-0 this weekend against Austin at home, which is, you know, I mean, you should never be in that situation really in the first place. Although Uruti's goal was an absolute screamer, um, but uh, two second half goals, two goals within two minutes, we managed to, to rescue another point, um, only our second of the year, which is obviously horrific. 
but also looking, I mean, I, I just, I just think it's harsh that we, we still haven't won any of these games because, you know, we dominated this game, 64% possession, 11 shots on target to four, 17 shots uh, to nine, but you know, a penalty and an absolute banger from Uruti. And, you know, we can only come back to salvage a point. Just wanted to mention, I mean, that's woeful. We both were very optimistic about the quakes in our predictions and, you know, two points, no wins. It's just not looking good at the moment. Yeah. Almeida has been very, very poor. Uh, It's just a disaster uh, in San Jose, but we'll see if they can turn it around. I was going to say, I think it's funny that the MLS is is currently mirroring uh, the Premier League in terms of our clubs, LAFC and City being at the top, Everton and the Quakes being at the bottom. Okay, Everton aren't at the bottom of the table, so easy <laughs> oh, there. Well, they... we're, we're, we're a lot closer than we should be. Uh, uh, that's an opinion. But anyway, uh, we well, have... Okay, well, let, let me say real quickly, there, there was a, someone on Twitter today did this whole table thing of calculating which team in the Prem has suffered the most from injuries. And it is by far and away Everton. So that has not helped. I'm pretty sure we're cursed. So uh, expect a loss against Burnley tomorrow. Man might, might want to change that training staff up with all those injuries. You need to find a new trainer. Well, that's, or something. What, that's what Benitez did. And it's gotten worse since he did that. Oh, well, yeah. I don't think Benitez is the guy that needs to do it. Cause he, he didn't have too much success um, at Everton. But, yeah, as far as MLS, um, the the big game this weekend, right, is El Trafico. I was saying that the SoCal teams are back. That was my underreaction um, is people are, are not giving enough credit to these teams being back. Some people are focusing on LAFC, right? But th- these are two of the top five teams in the, in the league, as I said, and they will be playing uh, in Carson at Dignity Health Sports Park uh, – at, on the campus of Cal State Dominguez Hills this weekend on Saturday, 4.30 p.m. local time. Uh, it will be a, a really good game and one to potentially show us who's the favorite in the West. You've got two massive games this weekend, Justin. You know, that game on Saturday and then the next morning, City-Liverpool, obviously. So, you know, that, that will be a really interesting one. And, and, and I, I'm, I'll be very interested to just see how these two teams kind of match up we know that there's been some wild wild encounters in el trafico Mm -hmm. recently um and last year it's funny because we had wild encounters and it was two teams who were you know on the outside looking in in terms of playoff spots definitely not the case at the moment this is two teams you know towards the top of the table obviously obviously lafc in first uh carson in third behind uh, RSL right now, obviously RSL, as you mentioned earlier, have played six games. So I, I think this will be really interesting to see, you know, I think whoever, if, if, if one of these two teams wins this game, say it's not a draw, I think you could easily start looking at that team as a favorite to, you know, finish top of the West. I think LAFC potentially more likely uh, to do that. But if, if Carson can pick up a win here, you know, who knows? Either way, going to be a great watch. Absolutely. It's going to be a a nervous weekend for me, but very exciting. And with that, Justin, I think that wraps up this episode. Thank you all for your patience. Uh, Sorry for missing last week. Uh, Again, as as we said, just a lot of crazy stuff going on at the moment, but we should be back to our normal schedule from now on for the rest of the season. 
Uh, we're into the home stretch for the Premier League. Champions League knockouts ramping up, Justin. It's a really exciting time to be a football fan. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at U90Football. That's U90Football. And we will see you next week when we can talk about the first legs of the Champions League quarterfinal and the other huge games that we have been previewing in today's episode. So we will see you all for that. Uh, enjoy these matches.